Please turn in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 12. We finished last week our hall of faith of those who were listed that had, because of faith, they had done this because of faith. Abraham was willing to sacrifice his son because of faith. Rahab helped the spies out because of faith. Moses, because of faith. And we could go on and on. And so today, we enter into Hebrews 12. You know, while you're turning, anytime you join a group, there seems to be rules or behaviors that unite that group, right? Anybody ever join an organization in school or otherwise? If you want to be in a sorority or fraternity, if you want to be in the band, or if you want to be um, in the cheerleader squad, or you want to be in the chess club, or you want to be in the computer computer group, computer club, there's certain things they require. At a certain time, you have to be here. You have to, if you want to join National Honor Society, you have to have certain grades. There's certain things that puts you into that group. And that's what Hebrews 12 does for us with the group that's identified in Hebrews 11. Because of all these men, we call it the great hall of faith. Those who had faith beyond what they could see and acted based upon that are great examples to us. And so he begins with verse 1. We're going to begin in verse 1 and read through verse 3 of Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have so great a cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us also lay aside every encumbrance and the sin which so easily entangles us. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who has endured such hostility by sinners against himself, so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. And Father, I pray and ask you to speak to us today. I ask that you make yourself clear. And Father, I don't know what everybody's going through here, but you do. And you can speak clearly from your word to any one of us. And so I pray for ears to hear, for everyone, including me. And I pray that as we approach your word together, that you will be clearer. And that you'll speak. And that we'll go away from here knowing that we met with you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this morning, as we look at joining the Hall of Faith, we will see, or we're going to learn that we must, there's things we have to lay aside, and we're going to learn to fix our eyes, and we're going to learn to consider Him. And so, if we're going to join these men and women, if, if you have your Bible, if you have not been here for the Hebrews 11 um, triathlon that we've been on, I would encourage you to go back and read that. Hebrews, some of you are familiar with it. Some of you, um, it may be um, something relatively new. But as you open that up, you get to see all these these men and women who did in, uh, certain things by faith. And he even runs out of time and he begins to list people in bolts and say, you know, all these people, they did this and they did this. They received back their dead. They, by faith, they did all these things. And so because of that, all of these people for us are a cloud of witnesses. Since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses 
chapter 11, are example of what the journey can be like. You know, when we think of great men of faith, those that are, are powerful that God has used, we almost never think that we could be included in that group. We think, well, that's somebody else. That's the Billy Grahams or that's somebody other than us. And the truth is, Billy Graham did not corner the market on faith. You have the same ability to be used powerfully by God as he was or anybody else. And I wouldn't want to compare myself to Billy Graham anyway. Not because he's a great Christian, but because that was the journey that God set before him. And why would I want to compare what God wants to do with me with what God did with him? It's our calling, ladies and gentlemen, to not sit on our hands. It is our calling, our calling to Christ, that we walk in faith. And so he tells us that there's some things that if we're going to be part of this group, that we have to lay aside. See, when the, when the spies went into Jericho, when they sent them in, and only two gave a favorable report, and the others didn't, there was a reason they didn't. They saw different things, didn't they? Some saw the giants and some saw the hand of God delivering. And so it depends. And we're going to get to fixing our eyes in a minute. They reported what they saw. But they were in the same place at the same time and saw different things. And I want you to know this. Jesus loves you as much as he did Moses and Abraham and Billy Graham. And his spirit within you can do the greatest things that he could ever accomplish. And it can only happen through you. Because there's nobody else like you. You're a one of a kind. And you know what? Even if you're a twin, you're still one of a kind. I've known twins and they're different. When you get to know them. Do I have any twins in here? Like identical twins? You have identical twins? Or fraternal twins? Fraternal. My mom was a fraternal twin. But even identical twins, when you get to know them, they have different personalities, different likes, different. Even though they look alike, and they have a special sense with each other. But we're all unique. And we're made that way. And so he says there's a couple things that we have to lay aside. He talks about every encumbrance. When you're going to run a race, we usually don't take, you don't see too many people. I mean, how many of you like the Olympics? We all like the Olympics, right? I think they're coming up next year, right? Next year is summer, because we just had winter. You don't see them out there on the 100-yard dash with a briefcase or luggage or a backpack. They wear as little as possible. Have you seen, have you guys picked up some of those running shoes today? I mean, you almost can't even feel, they're so light, you can almost not even feel the weight of the shoe. They wear almost the lightest thing they can wear so that nothing will slow them down. And so there are encumbrances. The fact that he tells us to lay aside all of these encumbrances tells us that there are encumbrances to our walking in faith says that we have them. This identifies the existence of them. So to sit there and say, well, I don't have any encumbrances, that's not true. We have to lay them aside. We have to take time to search out the things that are hindering us 
from pursuing Jesus in full faith. There are things, whether it's acceptance, fear of losing a job, family, unsure of being hung out to dry. I want to walk away from all this security. And this is the this is the thing, and we think this, but we would never say it. So I'm going to say it for us. I'm going to walk away from all this security to take a stand for the Lord. And we think that's a less secure place than what we built to protect ourselves. Does that make sense to anybody? (laughs) But that's what we do. And it's because we think he's less safe. Our view of him, our view of him is not what it ought to be. And so he says, the ladies decide, we have to take time to search that out. What are the things, when you're faced with a moment of faith, the decision of faith, what's stopping you? Well, somebody hurt me in church. <laughs> Anybody ever been hurt by somebody in their family? You still have a family, don't you? Anybody been hurt at school? Right? Anybody say something about you at school that wasn't true? Come on. I've been there. Hurts. I still go. At work. Anybody hurt your feelings at work? Oh, man. We thought it was over. We got out of school. Listen, folks. We try to avoid confrontation in this life. And I don't say that we run toward it and that we welcome confrontation. But Jesus said, if the world hated me, it's going to hate you. But then we feel bad when the world doesn't accept us when we take a stand for Christ. Because now they're calling us names and all kinds of things. You know what? Let them call us names. I would rather give them the opportunity to receive Christ now than to hear later. Why didn't you tell me? Because there's a judgment coming for them. And so the things that would keep us in our lives from saying yes. And from, you know, maybe, well, that's not, those aren't the cool kids. The the church kids aren't the cool kids. They're the square kids. Y'all remember that? We just saw this yesterday. Remember the movie A Walk to Remember? Wasn't that? That was a big movie. I was a youth pastor when that movie came out. And it made it cool to be a Christian. Because see, instead of letting the world change her, she changed somebody. God used her to change somebody. (coughs) And so we are to lay aside those encumbrances. We are to set that stuff down. The things that we fear. The things we worry about. The things that keep us from being all in for Jesus. Well, that's just weird. There's Jesus freaks out there. They're weird. Let me tell you something. Everybody's weird. You know, the only people who aren't weird are the people exactly like you. Because we're all normal, right? Right? And somebody's only weird if they're weirder than me. And they're normal if they're like me or better. Then I'm aspiring for that. And so every encumbrance. Then he talks about the sin... Which easily entangles us. And so we have things in our life. Sins. 
that we're prone to. Now, they're different for each one of us. And it doesn't matter which one it is. It's an entanglement. I mean, imagine if we went down and tied the shoelaces together of one of these runners in the Olympics. We went down and all the non-USA runners, we tied their shoelaces together. They'd be entangled. Some of you are going, how would I do that? <laughs> That's a good idea. Magnets on the bottom of their feet and put them on the blocks. Like, now they're entangled. That's terrible. I'm going down a bad path here. How many of you have ever gotten an extension cord out and it tangled as soon as you pulled the thing? And you're like, oh. And you got to sit there and you got to feed it through. You got to feed it through. You got to do all this work. It's all tangled up and knotted up. And you go, well, if I just get enough of it, right? And then when you do that, you end up like this short almost every time. Is that just, is that just me? Or is that everybody? <laughs> Why is this alone? And so he's talking about the sin. And that's how sin works. It slowly, it looks fine. It looks like it's all nice and neat. It looks like there's not a problem. But it slowly entangles you and traps you. You don't have to raise your hand, but have you ever felt trapped by sin before? Like, well, I'm going to do it anyway. You ever believe that? Anybody ever believe that? Well, we're going to sin anyway. We're just going to do it. We may as well just go ahead and do it. I want you to know something. You have victory over sin. You do not have to do it. If we walk in the Spirit, we will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. And so if I'm walking in the Spirit, I can't do the things of the flesh. It's not possible. So you do not have to do it. You do not have to give in. You know, when sin weaves its way around us, it can keep us from running at full stride. Because we're dealing with this. I mean, can you imagine trying to untangle an extension cord while you're running a 100-yard dash? I can't imagine doing it standing still. It's a pain. And so he tells us to run with endurance. And you know, here's the interesting thing about endurance. How many of you said, how many of you ever said, how many, where's all my sports people? Anybody played sports before? Thank you. What sports do we have out there just for, for funsies? Right. Wrestling? What do you do? Basketball. Basketball. Cool. Tennis. Football. Tennis? Basketball. Track? Hockey? Who said hockey? On the back. Baseball. Baseball? Anderson? What? Drawing? I didn't hear you, bud. Soccer. Right on. That's definitely endurance. I played... I played 14 years of soccer. And endurance, if we all said that we're going to start to build endurance, and we're going to, when we dismiss this morning, we're all going to line up out here, 
and we're going to start running. We ran out, we just opened it up, we ran in a full sprint. How many of us would need oxygen before the end of the problem? <laughs> right? Because we don't have endurance. Endurance is built over time. It doesn't happen in an instant. And so when we go back and we says, lay aside every encumbrance because there's things that keep us, things we're worried about, things we're concerned about from running the race. There's sins that creep in. These others are not necessarily sin, but there's also sins that entangle us. There's, listen, sin is fun. For a season. Sin is fun for a season. Otherwise, we wouldn't be tempted. I've said several times, I'm never tempted by Brussels sprouts. There's a couple people here that love Brussels sprouts. Yes. I'm not in that group. They put a nice barbecue, piece of barbecue meat down there. Yeah, since the teenager is going, yeah, we know what that is. Right? So it has to be fun and we're not. And so we got to be careful that that's not a misplaced joy. Let's use eating. You know, there's not, is eating sin? Yeah. Is eating itself sin? No. Is gluttony sin? Yes. yes. So something that God made to provide us um, fuel, energy, can be used for the wrong purposes. And that's really how he sneaks in and entangles us with sin. He takes something and that is appropriate and turns it to not be appropriate. And so we got to be careful that we're not entangled with sin. So that we can start to build endurance. Because as you repeat a behavior over and over and over by walking in faith, by choosing Christ instead of yourself, by choosing to say and take a stand for what he would instead of what's cool will make you acceptable to the world. Listen, if the world accepts you because of your stances, you're not standing for Christ. It's not, you can't have both. Jesus said that's not possible. And so that should be applied to you. The race, endurance is built over time, so we run God's way, we run by faith. And it says here, now watch this, ladies and gentlemen. This is going to ruin it for most of you. Or for some of you. I shouldn't say most. Run the race set before you. Who picks the race? Who picks the route? Someone else sets that before us. We don't pick it. Well, I'm going to go do this for God. No. What does God ask of me? What does God want you to do? I don't get to pick it. Because honestly, the things that God has picked for me, I wouldn't have picked for me. Has, you, has God ever asked you to do something and you said, I don't want to do that or I can't do that. I don't know how to do that. Everybody's going to hate me. They're not going to like me. I'm not sure about this whole God thing. That's fine. That's an honest... Tell God that. Say, I'm not really sure about you. At least be an honest and sincere seeker and find out. But he sets the race before us. He lays the course. 
He told Abraham, go and sacrifice your son, didn't he? That was the course that God laid before Abraham. The spies that spied out the land. He said, go and spy out the land. And they did what he said. And then they had to respond, whether in faith or whether in flesh. And so he sets it for us. We have to remove everything that's keeping us from embracing the race that God set before us. That's just step one. And then, but listen, this gets, it's really cool how God takes this and he turns it to be supportive. He said to fix your eyes, fix your eyes on Jesus in verse two. See, that's our direction, right? Isn't Jesus the goal? He's our direction. We're to fix our eyes on Jesus. Not to set our eyes on whether they like me or don't like me. Whether I'm uh, successful or unsuccessful. Whether I make this group or not. My eyes are supposed to be set on Christ. Because as we talked about in our class this morning, Christ always leads us into triumph. Is there anywhere Jesus has gone that he has not triumphed? Nowhere. So if we follow him where he is going, we will triumph because he always triumphs. So when it says that he will always lead us in triumph, it's because that's what he does. And if our eyes are fixed on him, if he is our only concern, if our heart is only for Jesus Christ, instead of for ourselves, instead of what we think we can get out of this world, then we're going to be on track. See, if you set your eyes on this other stuff, it's going to mislead you. And let me tell you something, boys and girls and young people. If you have to change who you are to be liked, people don't like you anyway. I know school just started. But if you change who you are, people don't like you. They like what you changed into. I would rather be around people who love me for me. And be authentic and genuine. And so fix your eyes. What does Jesus have to do with our faith? Well, it's really interesting. Because the faith that we have, the faith that they have, Jesus was the author of it. See, our faith comes from him. We're told in Romans that every man is given a measure of faith. So anybody that says, I have no faith, right? They're lying. They have faith in something. They either have faith in humanistic beliefs. They have faith that God doesn't exist. That's the atheist view. There is no God. I have faith that God, you know, that takes a lot of faith. We can look around and see... That God exists. He said that he revealed himself from the creation. Well, Big Bang created this. I would encourage you to go. No, I don't encourage you to do this. But any Big Bang I've ever seen has destroyed, not created. Ever notice that? Oklahoma City, that didn't create. 9-11, that didn't create. I've never seen an elephant run into a tree and pop out a piano. It doesn't create. 
Big bangs don't create, they destroy. When you run into the back end of another car, that doesn't create anything but bad feelings and anger and increased insurance bills. And all the parents of the newly driving teenagers said, Amen. <laughs> And so he's the author of our faith. He gives that to you, that little bit, that spark in you that says, man, could this be real? That comes from him. Find out. I would challenge you to find out. So he's the author of it. He's also the perfecter of it. He will mold and shape it if you let him. If you say, you know what? Let's be honest. Let's be honest with God for a minute. Here's a little of my story. I went to church growing up. And I thought the church kids were weird. I went every Sunday, but I didn't go and get involved. I just didn't fit in, I didn't think. And then I finally tried it, and somebody said something negative about me, and I quit going. That's the truth. That was the wrong decision. Because that was a reflection of them. My response was a reflection of me. Nobody controls your response but you. Well, you made me do it because you said, no, they didn't make you do it. And I've been there. I used that argument this week for something I did. And when the emotion was over, I had done the wrong thing. So I'm on this journey with you. I'm not Mr. Smarty Pants has got this all figured out. He perfects it. He'll mold and shape it if you let him. Because what happens is if I choose faith, if I choose to let it have a chance, and I feel led by him, and I, and I say, okay, I'm going to step out, he will reveal himself. And then you're like, wow, that was really real, but was that weird? Was that a one-time thing? And then you feel led by him again. You say, okay, I'm going to try again. And endurance gets built. That's how it works. And so he perfects it. Now, he makes a comment in verse 2 which took me back a little bit. Who, because the joy set before him, endured the cross. When I think of the cross, I don't think of that as joy. Even Jesus said, Father... Let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, your will, not my, not my, uh, your will, not my will be done. So what was he talking about? The joy set before him couldn't have been the cross, but that's the next thing it says. He endured the cross. He endured it. See, walking in faith takes endurance. Isn't that interesting that Jesus is showing that he endured something after he asks us to have endurance. We'll get to the joy in just a minute. So he endured it. He despised the shame. He hung there. Stripped bare before all man. <coughs> there was shame associated with that. And you know what? There's shame associated with our sin. You don't believe me? 
Well, let's start now then. Do I have a volunteer to stand up and tell me what sins that you struggle with? There's the shame. There it is. Nobody leapt up. Maybe I should call on you. And everybody said, don't call on me. Right? He despised the shame. And what we just felt, he felt it because, see, he became sin for us so we can become righteousness. How can he who's perfect become sin? How can we who are unrighteous become righteous? Only he can do it by what he did for us on the cross. That's how it works. And then he sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. What an example that is. So what was the joy? Man, I don't see anything. (laughs) That's much joy, right? The joy set before him was you and me. The joy of rescuing us. He went through all of that because he saw why. And see, folks, that's why we endure. That's why we choose faith over acceptance. That's why we choose Christ over the world. Because of the joy of seeing other people come to know him and walk in him. If our eyes are fixed on Jesus Christ, then those things become joy to us. He went through it for us. Listen, we can go through it for him. He makes us able. But when you're making the decision, we're left with the last part of this of considering him. When you're making the decision, whether you're going to, because you know, there's a time in your life, and I went through this too. There was a time in my life where I said, I said, God, if you'll open a door for me, I'll go through it. And he opened a door. It's, a, it's an interesting story. It's so, it's so obviously God. Because I had some things that I was thinking about. And it was specifically around this one subject. And I went to church. And I tried not to stick out. So I sat off by myself. Which made me stick out. <laughs> but that's how the mind works. And somebody invited me to something. That was exactly the subject that I was struggling with. And, when, when, and I told God, I said, if you open a door for me, I'll go through it. And then they invited me to this thing. And in my mind, I heard, there's your door. And that's how it works. He will speak to you. My sheep know my voice. And if you're sitting there going, man, I've never heard the voice of God. I'm so glad you came. Because I want you to know there's hope. I want you to know that there's hope of hearing him lead and guide you and speak to you each and every day. You're not weird in that aspect. You can hear him if you're willing to do whatever he shows you. Tell him, I'm willing to do whatever you show me. He'll begin to speak. And that's the really fun part of this. And so he tells us to consider him. We're making our decision to walk in faith. So, he endured hostility by sinners against himself. Imagine people being hostile against you. 
That's easy. <laughs> right? If we take a stand for Christ here, if we do this for Christ here, they're going to, yeah, they're absolutely going to be hostile toward me. Family? Same way. The question is, would you keep walking for him? So what are we supposed to consider? What did he do? Or why did he do this? Why did he go through that? Why did he go through people being hostile toward him for us? He tells us in this verse so that we won't grow weary and lose heart. Because that stuff, the world people coming against us in Christ, when we stand in Christ, makes us grow weary and lose heart. And it can do that. And that's why we sit in mediocrity. That's why we sit not taking a stand. That's why we have apprehension and we rethink it each time. That's why we keep our mouth closed when somebody makes a comment and somebody can hear our response if it's a response of faith or pointing them to Christ. Because we've grown weary. It's exhausting. But we're to consider him who endured all of that, who went through all of that, so we too won't lose heart. He didn't want us. Why couldn't Jesus just walk up to the cross and die and, and become sin for us and, instead of having to go through everything he went through? It's so you and I wouldn't lose heart. He went through everything he went through, not just the death, but everything, so we would walk as well. So it's amazing. So can you imagine going through all that just so we'd be encouraged? He was tried. He was whipped in the back. He had his beard ripped out. He was spit upon. He was hit with reeds. He had secret trials at night that were illegal. You know, if anybody breaks the law <laughs> today when they're after us, boy, everybody's up in arms. They broke the law. They murdered an innocent man. He did that just so we would be encouraged? How great a love is that? Can you imagine going through difficulty at work, at school, with your friends, on your job, in your family, just so other people would be encouraged? That's crazy. That's how much he loves us. When deciding to walk in faith, consider him. Consider what he went through. Love Him and choose to walk in faith. You know, if we're going to join this hall of faith here that we read about, that we've been reading about for months, there's a few things that we have to, we have to consider. If we're going to do that, we must, one, be honest with ourselves and answer the question, what is keeping me from walking in complete faith? How many think, don't raise your hand, how many think this God stuff is weird? How many of you told God that? Say, God, this is weird. Church is weird to me. Or, you know, I really want to, but I want to walk for you and stand in faith, but my friends are going to think I'm strange. They're going to, I'm not going to have any friends. So what you're saying is your friends are more important than Jesus. From what am I understanding right? Mm -hmm. 
Just ask him. Do you have cares and concerns? I'm, I'm afraid. I'm allowing fear to drive me. Or I'm not sure. You know, people have said that God doesn't always answer prayer. Let me tell you the only prayers that God doesn't answer. You ready? God answers every prayer that's in alignment with his will. God does not answer prayers that would put us outside of his will. Even if it's a good thing. What we would call a good thing. Because remember, there's no life in that tree. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. We think of it as the evil tree and the good life tree, right? That's not what the Bible calls it. The knowledge of good and evil. Because if we're just doing good, we get self-sufficient and we're not relying on Christ. That's why there's no life in that tree. It's not just the discernment of evil. Oh, I can do good. I can. This is good. And we do good. And we get exhausted doing it. And we're told by preachers to rededicate our life. And you'll be much better. How many of you have rededicated your life. And it completely revamped your Christian walk? <laughs> and so we try harder and harder and harder. And we end up with the same results. Now there's times that Christ gets a hold of us. And we say yes to him and we're led by him. And we call, and that's a rededication you can call that as well. But that's the leading of the spirit of God. Not just I need to try harder. There's a difference. Pursuits. Are you pursuing something that is not a part of God's plan for you? Could be a good thing. Could be retirement. Could be a career. If it's not part of God's plan for you, He's going to take it away. He has to. Small personal sins. Well, but it's not really hurting anybody. You ever said that to yourself? Y'all give me that good church face. So I'm gonna, I've said that to myself. It's not hurting anybody. <gasps> the pastor sinned? Yeah, I have. I'm a sinner saved by grace. But now I'm a saint. I'm one with Christ, united with Him. And that's the lie, that it doesn't hurt anybody. It hurt Christ. Right? Then was He punished for it? And we believe that. We believe it and I'm with you. How can we believe that? When we have the vision of the cross. Two, identify the focus of our lives. Often it's family, career, money, retirement, other people, and even personal goals. Fixing your eyes on Jesus means all those things come second because he's your goal. Is that true of you? Is he first and everything else second? Or do we get around to Christ? We get around. This is the thing we do for God. We go to church on Sunday. Let me tell you, the thing you do for God is you breathe. Every breath you take is for His glory, and it ought to be. And all that we do, do under the glory of God. Three. This one is tough, but it's 
Let me leave you with this, sort of. Three, stop weighing the cost of following. Why are we even having that conversation? You know, if I follow, if I take a stand, then this, then this, then this, then this. You know why we have that conversation? If you're weighing the cost of following, you are not sold on the truth of who Jesus is and the fact that his plans for you are better than anything you could come up with for yourself. If I'm convinced that whatever Jesus has is the best thing for me, as soon as he says it, man, I do it. The reason I weigh following is I'm not sure. I'm not sure. How can, but we're going to trust him for our eternal salvation. But we're not sure that he can lead us through life. It's ridiculous. Consider what he went through for you because of how much he valued you. He valued us so much that he went to the cross. Look what he paid for us. Shouldn't we? Isn't, isn't he actually more valuable to us than we are to him? <laughs> right? That dawned on me this week. I was like, you know, we all talk about how valuable we are to him. And we never talk about how valuable he is to us. What would stop us from walking? If we actually valued him like that. You know, there was a, this is a book some of you've heard of and some of you haven't heard of. It's called Reader's Digest. They, uh, some of us have <laughs> heard of it. It's in the museums that you see. But in Reader's Digest, there was a woman who wrote, she was determined to lose weight. And she said that I decided to join a fitness class that met three times a week. But no matter how much I pleaded my husband, Keith refused to join me. As the weeks went by, my excuses for missing most of the classes became more and more creative. On the morning of playing hooky from yet another exercise class, Keith said this to her. He said, "Hun, if I'd known you were going to miss this many classes, I would have joined with you. <laughs> And what I realized was, is we want the commitment with no cost. There's a cost to every commitment you make. If you commit to yourself and not to Christ, there's a cost. If you commit to Christ and not to yourself, there's a cost. There's a cost to every commitment we make. And so you're paying a price for not being involved or for being involved. We think that we're taking the easy road. Let me tell you, there is no easier road than to be on the, the path that he has set before us. And when you see him bring those things about and do amazing things in and through your life, the rest of it doesn't even matter anymore. It flees off into the vapor. And sometimes it's a very lonely road. Sometimes you feel like you're the only one on it. 
and that nobody understands. And the you know how the you know, you know how lions pull sheep from the herd? They cut them off. They get them isolated. They tell them they're all alone. I want you to know something. You're not alone. I feel alone. Nobody calls me. Nobody knows what I'm going through. That's why it has to be a safe place here where we can share what we're going through. So we can be there for one another. Because nobody is a mind reader. You're right about that. We don't read your mind. But that doesn't mean we don't care. So joining without commitment will never change your life or anyone else's. Well, I'm going to get involved. I'm going to be saved. I'm going to choose Christ. But I'm not going to make a commitment. I'm not going to. can't do that. It doesn't work. With all these witnesses that we read about in chapter 11. And Jesus himself testifying. Shouldn't we run the race that he set before us? Shouldn't we make that choice? Instead of the one we want to run. Listen. He failed for time. To include everybody. I would love to have my name. On that list. And I hope you would too. I'm going to ask everybody to bow their head and close their eyes.